Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Oklahoma's talking about us? No, but the, the state of? I'm really shocked. That's a, <laughs> that's a surprise. Come on, Mac. You know we're always talking about the state of Texas. Still have that snort. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good right there. It's not the phlegm of the late, great Mike Leach or Dana Holgerson, but that's, uh, uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good sl- very fake laugh there. Uh, uh, that's hilarious. By uh, head coach of North Carolina. <laughs> would you like to Would you like to hear uh, Mac Brown say "Get hip and get some drip"? Let me see if I got that right here. Let me see. You all, you all got to get hip and get some drip. Is that exactly uh, what you thought it would sound like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's the unfortunate reality of um, you know of being an aging coach in a young man's sport. You've got to uh, get hip and get some drip. Constantly act like you are, uh, you know, staying up with the times. Boy, just don't dance and do the 360 camera. And yeah, everything. Dabo, talking to you on that one. Come on. I was thinking about Brian Kelly. Did Dabo do it too? Oh, no. You're talking about dancing on the recruit. Yeah, with that. At least Urban Meyer did it in the bar. Uh, Brian Kelly did it on a recruiting (laughs) visit for crying out loud. You know, (laughs) where was Brian? Where was Brian Kelly on that coaching? Well, they released the top twenty-five tomorrow. So uh, you know, since he won the SEC West, I'm sure he'll be at like two or three. But actually, he's a he's a top ten head coach right now. I would say. Now, making fun of Mac Brown, all of that to say that OU in Texas will be on ABC this year. ABC. the old 2.30 window is what it used to be back in the day. That was kind of the primetime game of the day. You guys played on ABC all the time. And that was announced today that OU in Texas yeah. is on ABC. And it really is the biggest tease of all time because it's, oh, okay, well, what does that mean for a kickoff? Like, all you really know is where, you know, what channel the game is going to be played on. There's all these other kickoff times being announced, and all you got announced was that it's going to be on ABC with no kickoff time to it. Yeah, well, here's the thing: it's going to be, um, it's going to be a two thirty kick. You reported that earlier. Yeah. Even though the last two years have been on ABC at eleven a.m., you're still going with the two thirty kick. Well, who was on the? Um, I I know you. you Maybe you remember this. The Alabama A&M game was two years ago. Was it night? Was it last year or was that a 2 game? So last year and so what the SEC has been able to do once a year is they'll have yeah. their 2.30 window and then they'll be able to air an evening game on CBS as well. So like a doubleheader. And last year they used that doubleheader for Alabama and A&M that same night as OU Texas. Yeah. Well, anyways – 
I think that it's going to be a 2.30 kick. Just why? Because you have a feeling? Because you've heard something? Or no. you want it to be a 2.30 kick? Why, why do you think it's going to be a 2.30 when it hasn't been since Baker Mayfield was on campus? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got no reason. I got nothing for you. It's as good as anything else at this time of the year, honestly. There's no other – well, I mean, there's, there's games that are going to be good. Right? Kentucky, Georgia is, is that week. Um, I mean, but to me, it's the, it's the one that you would want at 2.30. It's, it's the most high-profile game of the day by far, not even close. Only thing is, uh, can you put it at 11 a.m. and get the best ratings there? That's obviously what Fox did starting uh, several years ago. So, that's the thing. Probably. I don't know. But, yeah, let's all hope for 2.30 and 2.30 for the uh, foreseeable future in that game. Why does – Let's hope. Why does – I guess 11 a.m. gets better ratings because everyone's watching while they're waiting to watch their game, right? Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. But I guess here's the thing. If you're going to get those ratings anyways, I you don't need to put a – that game is better whenever you have an incredible atmosphere. And I would say that you got a better likelihood of having an incredible atmosphere with a 2.30 kick. And I, that's what makes it look special and be oh, an experience. Oh, sure. I would say television. most games, and maybe for OU Texas, but I, I, I just think everyone's so used to 11 a.m. games, you can still have a really awesome atmosphere in that game for 11 a.m. Obviously, we've seen it before. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you can just kind of cook in that you're still going to get a, a great atmosphere for that one, regardless of the uh, of the kickoff time. That's true. Uh, big story today, other than OU Texas on ABC, no kickoff time, though Teddy is reporting 2.30. You heard it here first. You're only hearing this on the ref. You're only hearing this live on the ref. That's what you got to start saying every time that you uh, predict something. Okay? I'm, issuing a, uh, <laughs> I'm issuing a 2.30 kick warning right here, <laughs> only on the ref. 2.30 kick warning for uh, OU Texas. And uh, something else that you only heard on the ref earlier today, uh, Lane Jenkins is or has committed to OU, junior college defensive end, got three years of eligibility remaining. Sounds like he is a scholarship guy. What were the measurables that we found earlier? Six foot six, 255 as a defensive end edge player. Mm. So if you're looking for a reason why OU is taking a uh, – an edge player, defensive lineman out of uh, Butler Community College. Well, that's all I need to tell you. Six foot six, two fifty five. That's, right. that's it. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is a kid. Maybe that they someone had a recruiting connection with him before he went to junior college. Maybe he didn't have grades where they needed to be. Whatever reason that that may be, and he's he's got himself where he needs to be right now. I, who knows? I don't know any of that stuff. But you just look at those measurables, and you got to think that. Um, probably going to be a developmental deal here with a guy that's just got one year of junior college under his belt. Uh, we have some good veteran guys at that position. We have some really good young talent. I, I don't think it's a depth play like some of these other transfer portal guys tend to be. It's really one of the only few examples that we have where it wasn't a depth play. Uh, right. Offensive line week and a half ago was yeah. Troy Everett's linebacker from Ferris State was yes, I think Andrew Anthony was Brennan Thompson probably was Rondell Bothra. This may be the only example where we have where it was just we've got some bodies there. He's six six two thirty five. Let's 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 take a chance here. Right. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested on it. Has two fifty five? Sorry, you reminded me of the uh, the Connor Near portal uh, linebacker. Uh-huh. Has has the text line? Has everyone cooled down on that whole situation? Ask them. Get it by our text line. Because people Kniple were Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Um, people were pretty. Um, it was a polarizing transfer portal signee uh, for whatever reason. So. Well, for whatever reason, because Ferris State was attached to the name. Who cares? Well, yes. I mean, that's I'm not saying why. that I care. I, right. I know that it's why. If you have the same player with the same numbers, and I, he was a two-time All-American, but if you put Virginia Tech next to his name, the feeling around that is much different than what it was if Ferris State's next to it. Uh, well, how about if you put what what is it Butler uh, Butler Community College Butler Community yeah. College next to it is is that better than Fair State where they won back to back national championships and the kid was an All American? I mean, why is it okay? The, the, the perception of JUCO is a little bit higher than Division Two for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why is it okay for for a junior college and and I know like you can have some really good players that don't have the grades whenever they. They graduate, go to junior college, but that's not always the case. Sometimes guys go there and they just end up really developing. So, Not a take on the linebacker, but this text says garlic dressing is to die for. Probably the hottest take that we've had on the text line. Garlic dressing. Have I had garlic dressing before? Is to die for. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I don't know. Garlic dressing. Hmm. I like garlic. But that seems like it could be overkill. I mean, we're talking about salad dressing, right? Guessing. Um, and you and I have voiced our displeasure around salad before. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to have on the side, but never really as a as a full meal. Right. Uh, when North Dakota State was D two beating K State, did folks think they were no good? Well, I know that. Um, I know that Kansas State didn't because they just went and hired their head coach away from there. <laughs> right. They probably thought they were awesome. Right. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll. We'll. I'm sure now that this is a uh, everyone knows that this signee is, or commitment. I guess he hasn't signed yet. Right. He's just a commit. Um, Who Lane Jenkins? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's just committed so now, far. Now that that's happened, I'm sure we'll see some more information. Uh, start to trickle out, get a little bit more of a background on the kid. Well, Gundy got an O-lineman from Utah Tech. Go figure. He hmm. got an O-lineman there. Did he get a wide receiver from there as well? Or maybe someone to the caliber of Utah Tech? Connor Near will play a lot, says the 405. Uh, Papa John's garlic sauce, maybe. Hmm. And this one says, random question, has OU social media done a graphic for the Big 12 schedule yet? That's actually an intriguing question. I don't know if they have. Remember when that was a big deal when they finally released the Big 12 schedule and OU or Texas didn't really make a big deal out of it? Right. Well, then I would say no. I don't think they have. Right? I wonder if, um, like, whenever whenever the, the SEC gets out of their spring meetings and some announcement is made and, like, if they announce who all of, like, the three-team ties are going to be, you know, like you're – if they do the uh, the nine team comp or the nine game conference slate, I wonder if they'll they'll 
retweet, uh, retweet that graphic or make a graphic or whatever for who they're going to be. Crap schedule on the left, real schedule on the right, <laughs> something like that. Right. I'll retweet that one. That would be awesome. Uh, hey, to, to get it on back on this team a little bit, um, what, what's the more likely scenario at running back this year? Is it that Barnes and Sawchuck are a true one-two this year? Or is it that one one of those guys kind of ends up taking the the role of a true number one back? That's a good question. I would say thank you. I would say it probably starts off as a as a one two punch, and if anyone separates, then I think they'll start to take more of a share. But I. I think the share will probably be closer to like a 60-40 share than it is like an 80-20. I, I'm curious, like what's, like, what's one thing Barnes does well that maybe Sawchuck doesn't? And, like, the same way with Sawchuck and Barnes. Like, I guess what's the best part of the, each of their game that maybe separates them from the other? Because I, I, I still think people think of Sawchuck as a smaller speed guy, but, dude, he's, he's super physical for his size. Yeah. And maybe Barnes is a little bit more physical. That's probably the case. Yeah. But, I I mean, Sawchuck, ain't, he's not scared to run someone over. I think on the uh, – just like the um, the wide, wide lens view of each guy, I think you would say that Sawchuck is a little more – even though, like, I agree, he's a physical runner uh, – at least he he was a physical runner in the Florida State game, and I'm not suggesting like that was a fluke or something. But I don't know if I don't know if that's a a 12 game view of what you should expect from Sawchuck. I think that had a lot of I'm amped up for this awesome opportunity against Florida State in a bowl game behind it, right? Fair. Um, and like I think he's going to have great energy and everything with he, when he runs, but I think he's going to be a little bit more of an elusive style runner, who perhaps has a little bit more versatility in what he can do in the backfield. Um, I think Barnes is a traditional feature back that can take the bulk of the carries, uh, physical between the tackles can run over uh, individual one-on-one guys and, you know, has enough moves in the open field that he can make a guy miss and break it and has adequate breakaway speed for a running back. So that would be my take on the two guys. I I guess my hope is that it's a true one-two duo at running back this year, but they also have a – you know, if one of those guys isn't the late-game closer, that they have a, you know, third back that – can really help out as well because some of OU's best offenses, I remember a running back core that had a closer late in the game, Trey Sermon, who you immediately yep. think of, and a running back core that was pretty fresh for the most part late in the year, which I think is super, super valuable when you're talking about a team that's playing for a title or playing for a championship, conference, whatever. Well, I think that's exactly what they could have. I, I think Barnes can be your your – kind of traditional running back I think Sawchuck makes a really nice change up back um, and I think you've got options as a closer in either Marcus Major or uh, Tawi Walker and don't forget about 
the the freshmen mm. that both look pretty good too. I, I don't. How do they factor in? We'll just have to see. But I mean, I I think we look pretty strong at running back, man. Am I crazy to think this is from the text line for, from the four hundred five? Am I crazy to think that Marcus Major will still play a decent sized role in the backfield? Um, not crazy to think, but he's gotta he's gotta help himself a little bit and stay healthy. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a really tough. I I think best case scenario for him might be that third that third back, and he's really going to be battling Tawi Walker. I think for that spot. Yeah, because I like Tawi Walker quite a bit. Yeah, and you know Marcus Major, he's got talent, has to stay healthy. Everyone knows the the situation, right? Everyone knows knows what the what the history has been there. So we'll just have to wait and see if he can he can put it together and. You know, play a full season. The difference is Tyler likes saying Javante Barnes in the PA guy voice, and Shaw Chuck doesn't get anything. That is true. That so, with that, there does become some bias. There is bias. Yeah, yeah. That's why I would. That's why I would uh, pick Barnes to get the uh, most carries this year. Why can't you do Shaw Chuck? I need to hear it in the PA guy's voice. I, I can envision <laughs> what, what it sounds it? like. I need to envision what it sounds like. I'm just going to let him have first crack at it. You know, a little respect there. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what else we got on the text More line? important than one-two punch or one being the star, which one can pass block better? Yeah. From the well, 405. That's true. That's – and DeMarco Murray at running back coach is – demanding of those guys in the protection aspect like that's the part that like that's the unknown part I, I was it saw Chuck that got run over a couple of times against FSU or I don't know like, that's gonna happen it's the slowest thing to come for young guys right because you don't have to do it at all in high school um, so it it takes a little bit to pick it up but I think that those guys are both both going to be at, at least adequate, but probably end up being better than that. One more, we got a lot of uh, "Am I crazy to think?" text. It's, it's okay. Uh, love those from the five one two. Am I crazy to think Sawchuck will be an upgrade to Eric Gray? Are they crazy for thinking that? Mm, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. No, no, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. I I would. I would bet that physically Sawchuck probably tests better than Eric Gray does. So he's probably ha- probably has more raw athleticism. Oh, yeah. More breakaway speed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would I would agree with that. Now, for sure. just because you have more raw athleticism does not equal more production. Never has and never will. Right there's 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 all kinds of intangibles that you have have to have to be a a good productive uh, top college football player and I think Salchuk has those we just got to see I mean he'll have the opportunity I don't think you're crazy to say that we just don't know if it's going to happen I wouldn't I wouldn't declare that it's going to happen I think he's got an opportunity all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up final hour rolls on next this is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. 
At Lander's Chevy of Norman, we're feeling good. How good? Jumping into summer savings good and the hottest selection in town good. Plus, right now, get incredible savings on our best-selling trucks, like up to $77.50 off MSRP on any new 2023 light-duty Silverado with a 2.7-liter engine. So feel good all summer long and shop Lander's Chevrolet of Norman and LandersChevroletNorman.com. Find new roads. WAC, see dealer for details. Hi, I'm Trevor Turner with RK Black. RK Black is the leading. Appreciate uh, Santa John. Boy, the tone of Florida State and the ACC just changed. This is uh, David Hale. Uh, I think he was formerly of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, currently with ESPN. Anyway, apparently uh, Florida State's all good now. Uh, Michael Alford has said, quote, who is uh, Florida State's athletic director, he is confident the ACC is moving forward towards a revenue model that can keep FSU competitive and, quote, we're thrilled to be in this league and want to stay here, end quote. Well, so if Florida State's happy, everyone's happy, I'm sure. You know, Alford was first talking about how he thinks it's ridiculous that they bring in, according to their research, 15% of ACC revenue and only take home 7%. Um, and it's just not sustainable. Well, you know, they there were talks of making it more of a kind of a merit-based situation where the higher revenues take home a bigger share, and I just, like, it makes sense. I get it. It makes sense, and that's how you you typically would want it, but I, this creates a, a situation in the ACC where there's probably going to be some animosity between oh, some of the schools. Sure. and People are taking less money to yeah, Florida State, for sure. It just makes for an, an interesting situation. Do they deserve it? Sure, but they also deserved it at the time they signed the grant of rights deal. Right. So, I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses of the whole revenue share situation to where, you know, some schools are not going to pull their weight um, and they're going to get a big payout that's kind of undeserving. And the big schools that do all the winning are going to get a smaller one. But, you know, there uh, oftentimes it just works to where there's a balance. We'll see how this how this thing works out. It's going to work good for Florida State, at least in the near term. We'll see. We'll see how how much so though. Uh, Michael Alford, formerly uh, uh, at OU at yeah. one point, used to used to work here, said that no official decision has been reached as they are still discussing a few models, but that some revenue sharing models discussed could see ACC athletic departments make upwards of ten million dollars more than they are now if they have on field success. I wonder where that comes from. Does that come from? The teams that don't have on-field success? Merit-based model on postseason success could lead to more than $10 million in additional yearly revenue for a successful program. Woo! I mean, that's a hard sell to some programs that maybe are in a downswing and having a hard time getting things back. Miami's like, no, no, on-field success, more money. We're, we're out on that one. Uh, we haven't had any of that in a while. Sorry, guys. Just think, though, man. I I know we kind of get lost in the massive amount of numbers that we're barraged with um, 
on a on a daily basis, like our our government's budget and like SEC payouts and you know fifty million dollar NBA contracts. Like there's all these huge numbers thrown around. Like Ten million dollars. I it's got to come from somewhere. Somebody's taking a hit, and if they're taking a ten million dollar hit off of their their payout, I that's going to create a very ugly situation at some of these athletic departments. Like the pressure is going to be ramped up big time to win. Uh, yeah, and coaches may not get the um, coaches may not get the the uh, three year stay that they've uh, been accustomed to getting. We'll we'll see with with that. <sighs> yeah, when I, now when now or else in that league, especially at Florida State and Miami at Clemson, Virginia Tech, schools like that. It's already like that, but you know. Whenever you do something like this and you put other people's backs against the wall, some interesting things can happen, right? And I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be – I'm glad we're not a part of it. We get to watch from a distance to see how it plays out. Do you think Florida State is happier now or at this exact moment during this call that we used to play all the time? Into the end zone, and the Seminoles are going to bring it out. This is Kermit Whitfield on the left side. A hold to the 30. 35. Yeah! It's uh, almost as if the engineer turned, turned his, that guy's turned mic, mic down. down like, shut up, you idiot. This is like one of the biggest plays in Florida State history, and you're ruining it. it you goes, sound like a fan got in the press box or the radio booth. Or it, it, he either took off running down the hall or the engineer <laughs> yeah. turned the uh, mic down. I actually have my, yeah. my side towards the ladder. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's awesome. They were probably more excited in that moment than they are uh, right now, though. Yeah. We'll see how it works out for FSU. Uh, we got some running back questions. Yeah. Somebody asked about uh, Emeka Mekwa if he's got a chance to to no. have a big role this year. Yeah, he's hurt. He had a major knee injury, didn't he? he? Um, I, I think there was some talk during spring ball that he may never play again. Wow. But, I mean, all that to say is that I would not be counting on that one this yeah, year. Yeah, he's going to probably be taking some time. Uh, can the new JUCO defensive end play rec- for Porter and company? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Try it out. Six, 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 two fifty-five. Throw him out there and see. It's a big kid. That's a big kid. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, you're, you're okay. <laughs> uh, just... What are your thoughts on Meg? Will we even see the field? Well, we answered that one. This one says, "I'll say it." Salchuk will be the main man this year. Um, there is um, Gavin Salchuk's one game against Florida State. I feel like almost complete. Like everyone's forgetting what Barnes did last year mm-hmm. during almost an entire season, and not that he was your leading rusher, but he was solid. He was he was solid throughout the year and, and yep. showed as a true freshman that he's going to be a pretty good player. Now he missed like some of the middle part of the season, didn't he, with I the think injury? So, yeah. Um, so now he's had two injuries. So that's yeah, I mean that's that true. that could be a concern, which obviously you don't love. Yeah, that's true, and you know you. I feel like we've got good depth there right now, but it, it does make you happy that the the younger guys have shown well in that early spring. So, yeah. It'd be interesting if the SEC takes this uh, model. Like, hey, postseason success nets you more money. Yeah. Text line's like, yeah, Vanderbilt and their payout, they're probably taking a big gulp right now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's like, let's not move to this system uh, across college football for sure.
Oh, I love this. So Teddy is pro-communism because that's what revenue sharing is. Everyone gets the same piece of pie regardless of what value they bring. Yeah, I know what revenue sharing is. And if you know anything about me, I'm not pro-communism, obviously. That was one of my biggest beefs with Oklahoma being in the Big 12 is that we, for 20 years, held up our end of the bargain while not many others did. Um, I'm just saying that like, there's some there's some positives to it and there's some negatives to it and I I think one of the uh, one of the negatives obviously is that schools get to just hang around but like when you switch to this merit based system man I this is this is like a this is a different animal than than like trying to talk about communism and capitalism here uh, you've got to have partners in a conference that all are in agreement on a lot of issues so you can maintain some type of credibility throughout the country uh, with your television partners. Like, there's a lot of money on the line. And when there's a ton of infighting and there's thoughts that teams may leave and jump conferences and go elsewhere, I people get pretty skittish on that pretty quickly when it comes to spending massive amounts they of money. They do get skittish. Um, good on Michael Alford, though, for seemingly winning that winning that fight and winning that battle. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I mean, he's if they win at a high level, which compared to the other ACC teams, I'm not super confident that they have the head coach to do that, but are they in better shape than most of that league? Probably. I'm just telling you right now, there is – there is um, – have you ever – do you know what a Nash equilibrium is? God, Teddy, I don't, I don't know how many people do know well, what that is. Essentially, here's the thing. Like, for a, a lot of things to operate well, everyone has to feel like they have an even chance. And whenever one team is going to start getting more money, I'm just telling you, people will, will resort to some drastic measures. And Florida State – is going to put a really big target on their back. And I'm not just talking about a target on their back whenever they're playing on the field of play. I'm talking about people trying to take them down. Uh, they better have all of their I's dotted and their T's crossed and make sure that they're really clean off the field because – my guess is people are going to be trying to uh, throw arrows at them any chance they get. Well, then it's a win for Clemson then because <laughs> right. they get to continue to win and they don't have the uh, the target on their back. But they haven't said anything. They've you know, and I don't know what's gone on behind closed doors, but you know, I need another Dabo. We got to go thirty eight no to get our extra ten million. You know, I I, I got to hear Dabo sound off on this one at right. some point. Yeah, Dabo and Mac Brown. That's I'm telling what we need you, next. this is this is really interesting, and you know the whole like. Revenue sharing, just so everyone, that's like how every professional league is. It's how the NBA is. It's how the NFL is. Like they share revenue across the sport to try and maintain some type of competitive balance. And when you throw that out of whack, like it sounds like maybe the ACC is going to do, I'm not sure exactly what you're left with. 
I'm sure the teams at the top of the ACC that are still winning will probably end up getting more money, even after all of this. <laughs> yeah, Virginia will. can be pissed all they want, but yeah. it's probably not going to matter all that much. It's like, Virginia wins the ACC, and Clemson and Florida State take home the biggest revenue shares. One more for the 405. I thought a Nash equilibrium was being a white point guard <laughs> from Canada. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Same. Somewhat. With long hair. Yeah. And great ball skills. It's that or it's the old Kevin Nash and the uh, the WWE whenever you've got a, uh, a tag team match going on. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. couple of segments remain. Stay this tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. At Lander's Chevy of Norman, we're feeling good. How good? More at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Oklahoma's going to be at 19, and I thought about moving them up a little bit higher because I like a lot of the pieces that Oklahoma has. Oklahoma went 0-5 in one-score games last year, okay? So basically the exact opposite of TCU. Now they're bringing their quarterback back in Dylan Gabriel. They got way better in the transfer portal, by the way, in particular on the defensive side. You've got Deshaun McCullough, uh, Jacob Lacey, Andrell Anthony, the wide receiver from Michigan, Reggie Pearson. They were fourth in the country in high school recruiting, including five-star safety, including, by the way, four, what is it, three players in the top 16 in the country. OU could have a big splash season. If there was a team in the top top 10 that I would say, like, if I had to bet they wouldn't be in the top 10 at the end of the year, it would be Florida State. If there was a team 10 to 20 that I would put an asterisk in, I would say if you had to bet at, at a team entering the top 10 by the end of the year, who would it be? I would say Oklahoma. Joe Clyde of Fox Sports. Hey, I have Oklahoma at 19, just inside the top 20, but I like them a lot, and I should have ranked them higher. Oh, okay. Well, it's a way to rank a team 19 and to still say nice things about him. Some have pointed out OU was ranked uh, preseason number 19 once the 2000 team started, but if you would like to make that comparison, I believe that they were 19 that year. And uh, some nationally are just kind of ho-hum on OU's quarterback situation. I looked at a ESPN quarterback tier today of where things currently sit, and I think uh, Dylan Gabriel was like the fourth quarterback tier right now, which would put him somewhere in, you know, the top, like fringe top 15 quarterbacks in the game right now, which it's it's hard to disagree with that too much because I feel like the Pac-12 has about half of the top 15 going into this year. I think that's fair. Um, I think he's got a pretty good chance to play himself into – it it depends, like, what their – if they're basing that on like how you could like what what does that mean in translation to the NFL and like what your draft status is going to be like he's not going to be a top tier guy uh, he's oh yeah far he's from got it. he's got physical limitations so um but i think as far as production and where he can take his football team i think he could I think he make some uh make some waves this year we'll see though um you know, I'm, I'm, like I've said recently, I'm not. I, I believe that Jackson Arnold is going to be a piece of the offense, um, probably in like traditional backup quarterback role early. But if he shows that he's smart and productive and able to be trusted with the football to take care of it and make smart decisions, then I think he's going to start to chip away. 
a little bit of a share of what they do. Here are the tiers. Let's break down the QB situations for all 133. Jeez, that's a large number. FBS programs by tiers. Tier 1A, the guys will be dis- uh, dissecting with every throw between now and next April. That's Caleb Williams and Drake May. Uh, tier 1B, the most prolific quarterbacks not named Williams or May. That's four players. That's Jordan Travis at FSU, Bonix at Oregon, Cam Rising at Utah, and Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. So, again, there's a lot of Pac-12 quarterbacks that have already been mentioned here. Yeah. Tier 2, you may not have noticed, but these guys are really good. That's K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas, Jalen Daniels at KU, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, and Frank Harris at UTSA. Uh, Jalen Daniels at Kansas is uh, much better than the rest of those guys. Tier 3, never question the system. 12 players uh, for 6 jobs, and it's just uh, quarterback competitions, right. I guess, there. And then Tier 4 is consistently very good players, and you've got DG in there along with Michael Pratt, Jaden Daniels at LSU, Will Howard at Kansas State, Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina. Actually, not a bad little group a to good, be a part of. It's a really of. good group. Yeah, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, who did some nice things at Wake. Yeah, I mean, that Tier 3 is is a weird – I don't know why they would put yeah, that at Tier 3. It is very weird, yeah. I when Cade Klubnick is, is there, and he's played in like – started like two games up to well, this point. Look at Alabama's – all three Buckner, of their guys are yeah. on there. Like, that's – they should have switched tier three and tier four. Well, let's that's just so say DG stupid. is tier tier three on this. Whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. I think that's a good group there. Um, yeah. I I think there's I think there's plenty of guys that we've just listed there that could have really good years. I think there's plenty of guys that could have ho hum years where not a whole lot, you know, really transpires if their teams are kind of shaky. So I don't know. I think. I believe that Dylan Gabriel has a chance to have um, a really good season. Now, he needs some help. He needs offensive line to perform at a high level. He needs the running back room to perform well. And he needs the wide receivers to have a much better year as a group than they did last year. He needs help, but I always go back to talking about Dylan Gabriel is I still believe – that he's good enough to put this team in a situation for it to claim a successful season, which is what? Winning a conference championship. Is yep. Dylan Gabriel good enough to win a Big 12 this year with what the conference looks like? And I think that that's an absolute yes. Now, if they were in the SEC this year, would I feel the same way about OU winning a conference title and they have the the quarterback to put them in that situation? Well, probably not. This is... It's an indictment on Dylan Gabriel, but it's also kind of the same thing about the Big 12, too. I'm just looking at the situation. He's good enough for them to win a Big 12 and make the playoffs. Okay, but when is he not good enough for them to win a Big 12? Like what year would it have been? I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, everyone around Kyler Murray, I. He could make up for a lot of wrongs, right? Caleb Williams could can do the same. Baker could do that. Hertz could do that. I at what point though, if he doesn't have enough enough help, is Dylan Gabriel not good enough to kind of do it on his own, carry the team? As I guess. What well, I'm I mean, maybe if it, if if the if the product looks the same as it did last year at all, all the other positions, you know. So yep. yeah, fair. Like, is he good enough to carry a team with a conference championship, even with the schedule? Maybe not. I guess I'm just cooking that those other yeah. positions will be better. 
No, no, I know what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering. Like, uh, okay, well, what if the offensive line doesn't get to where we think they can? What if the the wide receivers still struggle, and we, you know, we're halfway through the year, we still don't know who our real go to guy is. Like, at what point is it? To where he doesn't have enough help to be able to go go do it. You know what I'm, you know no, what I'm saying? No, I, I mean, I think we saw that situation last year. That's exactly what I would point to. And I would say that that's, that's probably one of his flaws is my playmaking ability. Like, I think he's a really good playmaker. And I think he, he does good stuff outside of the pocket. I think he's an effective runner, both called run or whenever he tucks it down and, and goes to get the first down or even more. I think he's really good at those things. But he's not like an elite. Like Kyler Murray was an elite athlete where he's going to go do that stuff no matter who's out there well, on the he's field. Well, not, he's not elite in one particular thing. Right. He may, maybe that is throwing the deep ball, but even that was inconsistent last year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, he's, he's maybe the first quarterback that you've had in a while. And he's still a, he's still a good quarterback. But he may be the first quarterback you've had in a while that didn't have at least one elite trait. Fair? Yeah. I think that I think he has a chance to have an elite deep ball. I think he's got real nice touch. I think he's got plenty of arm strength, but arm strength is not that it's not nearly as big of a factor on the deep ball as everyone likes to believe it is. Um like he he's got a really good deep ball, but last year it just never connected. I'm. I'll still hold out hope that at some point next year, if we have the right players show up, that we're talking about he throws an elite deep ball. I'll leave that that window open. So, but that's the only window that you're going to leave open. Yeah, for an elite trait. Fair. Yeah, I can be proven wrong though. Could be proven wrong. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final segment is next. Home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. At Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman, we're feeling good. 